Hello and welcome. You are listening to the teaching ministry of Coastal Oaks Church in Rockport, Texas. It is our hope that you will be encouraged and that your desire to follow Jesus Christ will be challenged and strengthened as you listen to this podcast. For more information on location, service times, and what to expect on your next visit, go to coastaloakschurch.org. Now, grab your Bible and study along with us as you listen. If you would open your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. As we think about a new year, periodically when we get to this, this point of starting new, re- New Year's resolutions or new commitments or renewing our commitment to Christ, I like to go back and remind us how important it is to do something that's essential in the Christian life. Here in Rockport on the beach, if you ever take your family to the beach, those of us who live here hardly ever go there, but when you take your family to the beach, you can walk out a long ways, can't you? And you just, you think you're going swimming, but you're not, you're just going wading. And you wade for, I don't know how far out that, that shallow water is, but it's way out there. And our Chamber of Commerce advertises that's a good thing. You can bring your little kids to the beach and they can play at the beach. Well, it's good to wade out in the water, but eventually grown-ups want to dive in the water, Right? But you have to start somewhere. So we're going to do that today. We're going to go back and talk about wading into the Word of God. Ultimately, God wants us all to dive in. But I think it's a good time to remind us that some of us need to just start where we are and wade into the Scripture. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. The Bible says all Scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may com- be complete, equipped for every good work. The Word of God is God-breathed that is inspired for a purpose, so that the people of God can be equipped, can be prepared, some translations say thoroughly furnished for every good work. Well, when we talk about the Word of God, wading into the Word, number one, we need to have the right approach. So let's talk about that approach. We need the right approach as we approach Scripture. What are the prerequisites? What's the foundation? As I go to the Word of God, what's my perspective as I come? The right approach. Number one, or letter A, we must be confident in the Scriptures. Be confident in the Scriptures. Paul writes in 2 Timothy chapter 2, All Scripture is inspired by God. It is God-breathed. It's not just another book. It's not inspired like a Shakespeare book might be inspired or a Shakespeare play or a a great work of literature. It is God-breathed. It is inspired by God. We must be confident in it. As you approach the Word of God, your confidence needs to be that this is God's Word, that it is truth without any error. That's important because some people approach this and they say, well, God's truth is in there somewhere. Well, if it's in there somewhere, how are you going to find it? And when do you decide what's not truth and what is truth? It becomes very arbitrary. You have to approach the scriptures beginning with this. This is God's word. The Bible says in Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God. Doesn't make an explanation. The word of God doesn't say, let me approach this philosophically. There's just a, it's a given. God says in his word, in the beginning, God. We have to understand that in the beginning, God is God. And his word is God's word. Inspired means God breathed. You go through the scripture and you read, the account of Adam and Eve. You read about the fall. You read about Noah. You read about the flood. You read about Moses and the Exodus bringing the children of Israel. All of those accounts are not good stories that someone made up. 
They're not, they're not uh, inspiring tales that God chose to kind of give us a picture of maybe how we can understand existence. Those are true stories about true people, about true events. And I love how archaeology is finally discovering the truths of all of those stories. They, and you don't have to worry that someday archaeologists are going to discover something that disproves the Bible. You know what happens on a regular basis? They keep discovering things that, that prove the Bible. And they say, oh, Christians have believed that by faith all these years. Now we have evidence of it. Whether it's, a, whether it's a tomb with the name of a high priest on it that's mentioned in Scripture, or whether it's a place where some feel like was the crossing of the Israelites where they have uh, chariot wheels buried in the mud. Whatever it is, it's going to continue to prove that God's word is truth. Accept it. Have confidence in it. Approach it with that understanding. Believe it. It may go against your convictions. It may go against your own personal philosophy of life, but believe the word of God without questioning it, even when you don't like it. Secondly, the right approach is not only to be confident in the Scripture, but depend on the Holy Spirit. Depend on the Holy Spirit. See, studying the Bible, reading the Word of God, is not just an intellectual act. It's not just opening that and and checking something off every day. It is an encounter with the living God through the person of His Holy Spirit. Anyone who is a believer, who knows Jesus Christ as personal Savior, can study the Word of God. You do not need to be a theologian to study the Word of God. You don't need to be a pastor to understand it. You have God's Holy Spirit. The Bible says in John 14 that God will send you the comforter, a counselor, who will come in my name, and he will teach you everything from the Word of God. He says he will bring things to remembrance to us. God's Holy Spirit has given us. Hold that place in 2 Timothy and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Several books back, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. The Bible says, but as it is written, what no eye has seen and no ear has heard, and what has never come into a man's heart is what God has prepared for those who loved him. Now God has revealed them to us, how? By the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the deep things of God. For who among men knows the concerns of a man except the spirit of the man that is in him? In the same way, no one knows the concerns of God except the spirit of God. I like that. God says, I'm giving you my spirit. He's going to live within every believer, even a brand new Christian. And he's going to understand, the new believer is going to understand truths of the word of God as God's spirit teaches him. Depend on the Holy Spirit. As you open the word of God, I pray this every time in my, my personal time with God. God, open my eyes that I will behold wonderful things from your word. Quoting scripture. God, I'm asking you, your spirit right now, to teach me. And sometimes I read the Bible and it's, yeah, I knew that. That's good. Thank you, God. Other times I read the Bible and it's, wow, I never saw that before. Sometimes I read the word of God and the Holy Spirit just gets hold of me and I can't stand it. And, it's like, and I'm overwhelmed. I'm in awe. And it's different every time for me. But you know what? Every time I'm depending on the spirit of God. I don't know this, but I think this. God would love to do those aha moments with me every time I study. But if he doesn't, could it be that I'm not depending on him completely? That it's more of an intellectual exercise? I think that may be the case. I need to go with the dependence. I need to come to the word of God with, a, with an understanding. God, take your word and apply it to my heart. So be confident in the scripture. Depend on the spirit and accept God's will. You have to approach it this way. God, this is your word. I'm asking your Holy Spirit to speak to me. And then, number three, let her see, I'm going to accept God's will as he speaks to me in his word. 
See, I'm not studying God's word to satisfy my curiosity. I'm not studying God's word just so I'll have something to say on Sunday morning, however I do that. By the way, you know, it's not hard to find something to say. You know what the hardest thing is to do? Is find out what to leave out. As I study, it's God, there's so much. What do I leave out? How, how do I narrow down enough to say to these folks in 30 minutes from the vast treasure of resources in the word of God? So I'm not studying just for that. I, I, as I personally go to the word of God, I'm saying, God, I want your will to be impressed upon me. What is your will? And I'm going to accept it. I want to know God's purpose and God's will. Now, we were taught by Henry Blackaby in experiencing God. The question is not, what is God's will for my life? The question is, what is God's will? See, because when I know God's will, then I will make an effort as a believer to get involved in what he's doing. I love what Andy said about the empty seats. And by the way, there aren't as many empty ones as I thought there might be. But the empty seat is, that's an opportunity for us to invite someone and bring them to fill that seat. See, that, that's saying, God, what's your will? Your will is to be at work in the kingdom of God, at work in the people of Rockport. And my response is to get involved with that, to accept it, and say, God, I know you're doing that. What can be my part? Accept the will of God. Now, he may speak, and he may share by his spirit something with your heart that you don't like. Everybody ever have that happen? <laughs> yeah. God, I, man, I, I sure didn't expect that today. That, that, that goes against everything, all of, my, all of what I want to do for me. But God, I, I accept it as your will. Philippians 4, Paul said, do what you've learned. James 1 says, be doers of the word and not hearers only. God, I know you're saying that to me as I read your word, and I'm going to accept it for my life. I read about a seminary professor in the Holy Land who heard about a man who had memorized the entire Old Testament. So he went and found the man and, and just thought he'd test him. So he asked him, will you recite a passage out of Isaiah? And so he said it. Word for word. Uh, read, read, recite Psalm 1. And the, the man went on for a couple of hours reciting scripture. And this seminary professor was just overwhelmed with this man's knowledge of the word. And the more he began to talk to him, he found out that the man was an atheist. Didn't believe a word of it. But he knew it by heart. He didn't accept it, did he? He read it. It was an intellectual exercise. So we have to have the right approach. Be confident this is the word of God. God, I want your spirit to speak to me as I read. And then the third thing, Lord, it's your will. And as you speak, I want to submit to it. Well, that leads us to the next point. Not just the right approach, but the right attitude. The right attitude. As we read the word of God, what is my mindset as I approach it? The right attitude. Just several things for you this morning. First of all, read sensibly. Read sensibly. And what I mean by that is just start where you are. I've heard about people, I'm going to read the entire Bible this year, and I'm going to start in Genesis 1, and they do good until they get to maybe Leviticus. Anybody struggle through Leviticus? My, my struggle over the years is I've tried to read, from, read the entire word from beginning to end is when I get through some of the prophet, into some of the prophets, and there's so much repetition. And I say, now, didn't I just read that? So there, that, that's, we all want to jump in, and we get bogged down in those places. Well, I'm, I want to encourage our congregation this year to start where you are. Read sensibly. Understand, if I'm not a, a, a whiz at reading, if I'm not a person who can stay with the stuff, just start where I am. Here's what I've done this year. We've done it before, but I'm encouraging the whole congregation to do this. Back on those tables in the back, there's a 90-day Bible reading plan. There's two reasons for this. Number one, most people can grasp 90 days. Now, this doesn't mean you have to start well, we're already on the second day, but that's okay. Start right now, and in the next 90 days, have it all finished. You might want to do that. If that's where you are, start there. 
Say, in 90 days, I'm going to read this Bible survey. It might be that you would say, over the next 365 days, I'm going to read those 90 passages. Does that make sense? But there are 90 passages here in 90 days, and it takes you through a Bible history of the key truths of the Word of God. That's another reason why I'm doing this. So you can connect the dots. You can understand when God speaks in the Old Testament, what he's saying. When he speaks in the Psalms, what he's saying, and why he's saying it. To start where you are, and it just walks through from creation and the fall. The next passage is Abraham and Isaac. The next passage is the story of Job. The next passage is Moses and the law. Then instructions from Leviticus. Then it's in the book of Numbers, journey to the promised land. Then in Deuteronomy, Moses' last message to the Israelites. Then the book of Joshua. Then the period of Judges. It just walks through. And there are key passages from every portion of the Bible that will give you the big picture. So if that's what you need this year, and I think most of us could benefit from that, would you commit to that? To say, I'm going to start where I am. And where I am is whether I'm going to read 90 days straight or just take those 90 passages to get a Bible survey to get the big picture. Start where you are. I read about a freshman at Duke University who, who was encouraged by his parents. He grew up in a Christian home. When you go away to college, read your Bible. So they would contact him every day. Have you read your Bible today? Oh, yes. Did you read your Bible today? Yes. Did you read your Bible today? Yes. So they kept asking. Finally, when it came, spring, when it came time for their break, they called him on it. They said, because, because all during that time, the son was calling and asking for money. You know, they're asking me if I read my Bible. Do I need to be trusting God more? Yeah, I'm doing that. Well, they said, son, we know you're not reading your Bible because we've been putting $20 bills in different passages in your Bible. If you were reading your Bible, you wouldn't be asking us for money every time you called. <laughs> need to get into it. Accept it as the word of God. Just start where you are. If you say, you know what? Reading that entire three chapters or two chapters or whatever it is that day is too much for me. Commit to read a little bit. But that rhymes. That's good. Would you commit to read a little bit? Just get into the word. Just get into it. Start where you are. Read sensibly. Let her be interpret literally. Interpret literally. That just means if the context or common sense says otherwise, I'm going to take God at his word. That's what he means. Now, there's some passages in the Bible that are, that are uh, figures of speech. In Matthew, where Jesus says, if your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. In Matthew 7, if there's a speck in your brother's eye, yet you have a beam in your own eye. He's speaking in, in, in hyperbole. He's exaggerating to make a point. So unless the, the context or the, the style of speech dictates otherwise, just take God at his word. When the Bible says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, take him at his word. When the Bible says that God loved the world and he gave his one and only son, take him at his word. So interpret it literally. Don't, don't uh, do what many people have done. They've taken passages that are difficult and they've allegorized them. They've said, well, that, that really isn't Adam and Eve. That's just a man and woman named to represent the human race. Well, that flood really didn't happen. That's just a metaphor for the human race needing to be rescued. Folks, that may sound strange to some of us, but that's the way many people interpret the Word of God. Take it literally. Interpret it literally. Um, uh, someone said, if the literal makes good sense, then don't try to make it nonsense. <laughs> Take God at His Word. I read about a man from Ethiopia, an emperor there, who was um, instrumental in changing that nation and being very progressive in what he did with schools and, and railroads and everything. But when he felt sick, he believed that the word of God would heal him. So he would take a page out of the Bible and eat it. Because somewhere he read that the word of God would bring healing, so he took the word of God and he, he ate it. Like it's spoken of in Revelation. If 
By the way, he got very sick one time and uh, ate more than a few pages. He ate the entire book of 1 Kings and he died. Now that's taking it a little extreme, right? To eat the word. Understand that the scripture needs to be taken literally and other, in, in, unless it says common sense would dictate otherwise. Interpret it literally. And then see, think historically. Think historically. I already mentioned that. As we look at this Bible survey, that's one of the reasons for putting this out there this year. So you can kind of chronologically walk through and see how God worked in the lives of his people. It, it, is, a, it is a historical book. Somebody said it's not just history, it's his story. It is the revelation of God's activity with mankind as he dealt with them in salvation history, as he brought into existence a Redeemer, a Messiah, and how mankind is to receive that. Think historically. As you read scripture, understand the time and the culture and the situation. I, I love using a study Bible because at the first portion of every book in a study Bible, there's an explanation of possibly who wrote it, uh, what the context was, maybe what the date was, who the readers were. Boy, that helps, doesn't it? When you interpret the word of God to understand that in the book of Hebrews, the writer was writing to a bunch of people with a Jewish mindset. That when I read the Gospels, I understand that Mark was writing to Gentiles. And I, as I read Matthew, I understand that Matthew had a little more of a Jewish perspective. As I read the book of Isaiah, I can see what was going on in the life of the children of Israel and why he was so passionate about calling the people to repentance. When I read the book of Daniel, I can understand as I read about Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that they were in a culture completely foreign to their own culture in Babylon. You need to understand those things. Read the Bible and think historically as you understand the perspective of why God did what he did. Some read the books that, where God calls for uh, the annihilation of the Canaanites and say that's cruel. But then if you understand the culture of how the Canaanites had been so wicked and were so involved in child sacrifice and how God had warned those people and he'd let it go on for hundreds and hundreds of years that he used the people of God to bring God's judgment on them. It helps you understand as you read the scripture. Letter D, distinguish properly. Read sensibly, interpret literally, think historically, distinguish properly. Distinguishing between the types of literature in the Bible. There is history in the Bible. It's just history. And as you read it, that's what the, the intent of the writer is, to read the history. Then there are, are passages in the Bible that are poetry, like the Psalms, Job. You read those things and it, it's poetic in nature. Uh, you read narratives like the Gospels and the book of Acts. We read some like we're reading this morning, an epistle. We're reading a letter that was written to the church, or in, in specifically in, to encourage an, an individual, Timothy. Understand those parts of speech and distinguish between them as you read them. Let's move on to the third one. Looking at my clock, I'll have to get used to this. Number three, the right aim. The right aim. What's my goal as I read scripture? I'm approaching it with the right prerequisites. I have the right attitudes. I understand the way scripture is put together. And what is the aim? What is the goal as I read the Bible? As I read through this 90 days, as I stop and pause and try to incorporate that, incorporate that into my regular quiet time, this should be my aim. This should be my goal to keep it practical. To keep it practical. Every scripture has one primary interpretation but several maybe many secondary applications 
And what people, many people do is they go to one of two extremes. They take that, that one primary, primary uh, interpretation and they focus on that. When God is speaking judgment to the people of God in the book of Jeremiah, they focus on that and they, they drive home the point, whether it's preaching or teaching or studying about what it meant for Isaiah and the people of God or, the, or Jeremiah and the people of God in that day. And that's, that's where they leave it. They study the case of the woman at the well and they leave her there. Jesus dealt with her there, and they make incredible truths and, and points there, but they forget to apply that truth to our lives today. That's one extreme. The other extreme is to make it all about application and forget the context, forget the culture, forget what God was doing there. What was the word for God there? There needs to be a balance. There needs to be, there's a primary audience, and God spoke this truth to them, and there's a primary interpretation of it, but there are many applications for us as the people of God today. That is so important. You need to ask yourself the question as you read scripture, making it practical. Is there a sin I need to confess? Is there a promise I need to claim? Is there a command I need to obey? Very simply, you can be reading John 3.16. You can be reading 2 Timothy 3.16. Ask yourself those questions wherever you are. Is there a sin that I need to confess, Lord? I'm making it practical. Is there a promise in your word that I need to claim? Is there a command that I need to obey? Keep it practical. Noah led the people of God to safety. Actually, his family were the people of God. Led them to safety to say that God is willing to rescue us. There's an application of that. It's about the grace of God, isn't it? You talk about Moses at the burning bush and Moses leading the children of Israel. That, that's exactly what happened. There's a truth for the people that read it that day, but there's an application for us today that God is our deliverer. You understand? Keep it practical. Apply it. I've heard lots of good sermons that really challenged me about the truth of the Word of God, but didn't challenge me how I apply it to my life. Make it practical. Don't just say, I've checked off day one, two, three, four, five, but God, what did you want to say to me today? Keep it scriptural. Keep it scriptural. Let her be. What I mean by that is compare scripture with scripture. As I study the Word of God and I don't understand something, instead of running to the pastor to ask him, because he doesn't have all the answers. Y'all figured that one out yet? <laughs> Instead of running to your Sunday school teacher, your connection class teacher, or, or someone you think knows the Bible, say, okay, God, is there another scripture passage in here that will help me understand that? Let scripture interpret scripture. When I read something in the word of God that doesn't make sense to me and seems to contradict what I believe, I look for other scriptures to reinforce that. And I, make the, I take the scriptures that are clear to help me interpret the scriptures that are difficult. Does that make sense? If it might seem to say something, I think about the passage about the unpardonable sin. I get asked that question all the time. Pastor, what's the unpardonable sin? And the Bible says blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. And so people say there's things you say that are unpardonable. And so as a, as a pastor, as a Bible student, I study the word of God and I see if I'm going to say that there's a sin you can't be forgiven for, then I have to reconcile that with the cross that all sins are forgiven. How does that reconcile? The way I've reconciled that is, is just making Scripture interpret Scripture. Understand that I can't quite understand what that means, but I know this. The only sin that can't be forgiven would be the sin of rejecting Christ as personal Savior. That has to be the one that's not pardonable because you rejected Christ. So I let clear Scripture help me interpret maybe a not-so-clear Scripture. 
Keep it scriptural. Use your study Bible. Use your, your references in your margins. I, I love a Bible. This one that I'm using today has scripture references in the middle uh, margin that tie into the passages that I'm reading. Use those. I had a seminary professor that said, if you ever use a study Bible, you're reading the word of God through a theological filter. Shame on you. And I thought about that. Then I had another seminary professor that said, who am I to say that all of those godly men throughout Christian history didn't have a relationship with God? And that who am I to say that he didn't give them insight and wisdom that he hasn't given me? So I went with the second guy. I did. And I'm going to say, God, I know you've been speaking to people and using them, and they've put footnotes in there, and I can distinguish between the footnotes and the text. You need to be able to do that. That's why they're in the margin or in small print or in a box or something like that. Use those other things to help you interpret the Word of God. Keep it scriptural. Let scripture interpret scripture. Use the resources you can. Letter C, keep it personal. Practical, scriptural, personal. Now, I've already talked about application. So what am I saying here? When I say keep the study of the word of God personal, I want my study of God's word to be focused on a person, the person of Christ. So you might want to make your personal a capital P. You don't have to. We didn't here, but that'll help you remember. When I study the word of God, it's about a person. I am looking for Jesus in scripture. Jesus said in John chapter 5, you pour over the scriptures because you think you have eternal life in them, yet they testify about me. Look for Christ. The Bible says that uh, as Jesus preached, he interpreted them the things concerning himself. Look for Christ in scripture. Make it personal. I said earlier, it is his story. I read recently about a, uh, a group of people who were introduced to an author of a song. It's one of those songs that almost everybody knew. It's one of those songs where tens of thousands, probably hundreds of thousands of people sing almost every week during certain times of the year. Almost everybody at those gatherings knew the words to this song, yet no one knew who wrote it. The song, Take Me Out to the Ball Game, the seven-inning stretch. How many of y'all have sung that song at a ballpark? Yeah. How many as a kid grew up hearing that song? Well, at this place, at this event, they introduced Jack Norworth as as the author of that song, and I thought... Here's all these people that knew all the words to the song, but they didn't know the author. Folks, there are a lot of people who who know scripture. They know about God, but they don't know the author. As you study the word of God, keep the focus of your study on the author of the word of God. Gypsy Smith was a British evangelist back in the 1900s. He wrote hymns and preached with uh, people like Fanny Crosby. He told of a man who told him, I've received no inspiration from reading the word of God. He said, I've been through it several times and God hasn't spoken to me. And Gypsy Smith very wisely said, well, maybe it's not a question of you going through the word of God. Maybe the key issue is for the word of God to go through you. That's what we need to do, folks. I want to challenge the congregation in 2011. Can you believe it's 2011? To find some Bible reading plan. And if you don't have one, take this 90-day one. And let the word of God become part of your life by daily going through study of the word. Let's pray together.